0: Welcome to Bombless Rugby, the home of boys, brews, and sports balls. I'm your host, Kaya, along with me to co-host is Dr. Dup. Greetings from Dr. Dup. If you're a new listener, welcome to the main event, the Bombless Rugby podcast for rugby fans by rugby fans. Uh, we chat about the hot topic of the week, argue about our most and least favorite teams and players while trying our best to select the teams, the best teams of all time. Um, so if you enjoy this podcast, please follow, consider following us on Facebook, Twitter, instagram me and to get the latest updates let's get into it we're gonna just sort of right off the top of our dome how are you doing dup
1: oh uh, my word um testing times for all of us uncertain times for all of us um 19 is real it is affecting everyone around the world and i mean sure Like we we don't know how long we're gonna gonna have to deal with this or not. Um so Africa now is going into lockdown as of midnight tonight. So this week has been very different. Uh let me put it that way. Um as as much as we're being told, right, try and try and go on as normal as you can. Um, understandably this is something that no generation in the past hundred years have had to deal with uh, the last big pandemic we had was the Spanish flu in 1918. So this is this is new for all of us. Um, and they didn't have travel. So with that, yeah, I mean, they didn't have travel. Now people are traveling a lot. And just before this podcast, I, I was listening to a TED talk um, that they put up where they speaking to Bill Gates. A couple of years ago, Bill Gates basically did a TED talk warning about potential pandemic like this. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's some real challenges going forward and it's going to be crucial for people to actually follow the instructions given to them to practice good hygiene, stay away from people, wash their hands, don't touch your face. Um, so yeah, um, you and me stay in, stay in different, like, I mean, we don't stay far from each other, but like I'll stay in a little, little townhouse and you stay in a block of flats. So our experience of what we can and can't do
0: is going to be very different. So how, how is this for you? Oh, well, for me, it's uh, it's a lockdown in a block of flats sucks a bit because at most you can just go up and down the stairs just to keep yourself, you know, a bit busy or do some exercise. Um, I think you're going to build some thunder thighs if you do that, eh? Yeah, you know, because you can't really, like... <laughs> so the biggest thing for me is, like, how to get some sun time. So I'm going to have to try, like, sneak up to the roof. Uh, Just to get some sunlight happening. But the other thing is, it's also not the wisest thing to go up and down because a lot of, a fair amount of people in my block of flats are doctors and nurses. So there's also like. There's some risk. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a fair amount of risk. And they did write a letter that they've posted on our notice board. So just to let us, so that we're all aware of that. Um, Because we have. Yeah, they have
1: to.
0: So, yeah. And it's also like. Somebody that's very high risk in my floor. That I would, so we have to be very careful about our general movements as well. So, But also, we're not having, as usual, as everyone else, we're not having any visitors allowed inside here. So only, only people allowed in that are not from the building are medical professionals who are coming to help someone out. That's pretty much it. So it's, it's going to be, but I think here's the thing. Ultimately, us working together is what's going to get us through this. If people take it seriously, we can look at a, we can flatten the curve, and in a couple of well, I'll probably say about two three months, possibly get back to some sort of normal. I mean, this will establish some new norms out of this anyway.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I mean, this lockdown is basically all about let's let's try and slow down the spread as much as we can, um, so that we can bring the date forward of when we could return to to some sort of normal. The world is never going to be the same again after this. This is hopefully going to be a big wake-up call for, for what these risks are. This is probably the biggest threat, like immediate threat that humanity would face as if we have pandemics. Yeah. Um, like climate change is real, but it's taking a bit of time. Yeah, This is something where once it comes and spread. I mean, we, we can be fortunate that, that COVID nineteen isn't as fatal as something like SARS was. It's just that SARS yeah. wasn't as infectious as COVID nineteen.
0: I think that's and that's the big thing from like the Bill Gates talk. Is like if something stronger than COVID hits us, we we've now realized how unprepared we are, and yeah. people value getting their latte from their, from their favorite coffee shop over the lives of everyone else man
1: i've seen people do some stupid stupid stuff even when they've been told listen you need you need to go into self isolation quarantine whatever and people still feel that like now like their personal freedom counts more than the lives of other people Yeah, and I don't don't know if you read yesterday in the news but uh someone in KZN is now being tried for attempted murder because this person was given strict instruction to go into self-isolation but then decided to still run their salon
0: oh my goodness
1: three days right touching everyone affect a lot of right so yeah i think it's 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 fair that this person be tried for like attempted murder because you are directly
0: people at risk it's similar to what i saw in uruguay i think where half the infections in the country are are pretty much linked to one person who came back from spain and went to a big wedding
1: yeah I, i mean yeah, in the free state there was there was a couple of german tourists who went to a big church gathering yeah and now they're trying to follow up with 300 people that were there, so once that comes back, like the numbers are going to skyrocket. Like, yeah. like we are going to have this twenty-day 20 lockdown, but during this twenty-day, twenty-one days, we're still going to see the numbers going up simply yeah. because of what was done before it. You know, I think you said, it's going to take about twelve the
0: lockdown. to take like twelve to fourteen days for us to see a real change. In other words, yeah, yeah, we are,
1: we're only going to see the the results of the lockdown coming through in week three you know, yeah. then we're going to see how effective it are. And then a decision will probably be made like, okay, this has been effective. It's okay. People can start to come out. There will be restrictions on what people can and cannot do still after this. Um, but if the results are not good, it's it's very likely that um, the lockdown could be extended, Yeah, uh, which, yeah, it's, it's a reality. But speaking about this lockdown, something that, um, you know, people do need to consider is like cabin fever. Yeah, Um, People are going to be isolated. You're going to be where if you do stay with someone that helps, but even when you stay with someone, there could be potential problems uh, that arise there. So it's going to be very important for people to connect with people online, whatever you like, call them, video them, chat with them. Uh, Make sure you check in on your loved ones every day and speak to someone find activities, like schedule your daily life, um, make sure you're busy, make sure you don't over-consume news, like only watch enough news to get the information you need so you don't feel hmm. down by, by things that are being put out there. Yeah. Um, it's going to be very important, important for, for everyone to kind of like, you know, be as sociable as possible yeah. while being
0: isolated. I think you're going to maximize your time online and just but do, do the things that are best for your mental health. And you can make the decisions that are going to help you in the long term. So, like a social media break, probably some could be very helpful for a lot of people. Just take a couple of days off, 100%. Just to sort of, you know, just calm, like just to have a calming few days, just to think about things. Um, this is a massive life change, and it's gonna, and just be able to process
1: that properly. This is huge. I'm, I'll be honest, like, I've never. As a scientist, like like I'm pretty, pretty in tune with with um, these sort of things and so on. Um, but I did not think like okay, something like this would 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 um, like hit like so so early in my life or something like that. Yeah. You know, I was all, I, I was more thinking like all right, potential big issues we might have down the line is things like you know, freshwater shortages around the world, yeah. um, food problems potentially like. Um, effects of climate change, like that was a big one of was setting my mind, like the effects of climate change long term um, and this one just kind of flew under the radar, popped up and now we're like, okay, this is serious um,
0: you know, we weren't fully prepared for it or no one really took it seriously, yeah. let's put it that way and uh, at least now we're starting trying to take some time to get seriously so yeah, so a little advisory from us at Bombas is that Practice your social distancing, stay at home if you're in South Africa, where not the regulations are in New York. Follow whatever the government is saying in your country. Wash your hands often, except if you're in Brazil. Where if you're in Brazil, don't listen to your president at the moment and practice social distancing.
1: Oh my word, let's not even get into that. Oh my word. <laughs>
0: Wash your hands as often as possible, avoid
1: touching your face, stay at home, um, everything else like that. So. Yeah, I mean, look look after your mental health, do try and exercise at home, like, like, do what you can to be as healthy as possible. This is something that realistically is going to affect, infect most people within the next two, two years or so. So it's very important to to be as healthy as you can be so that if you do get infected, somehow, your system is in a good position to fight it off. Yeah. At least up until we get a proper vaccine going, or in the short term, where there's some good medicines that are being tested out that could potentially
0: uh, knock it out of your system when you do get it. So yeah, perfect. Be safe, people. All right. Now moving on to our topic of the week, one of the hardest transitions we have had to do. Um, We're going to speak about a freak injury that happened this week. Just the notion of freak injuries. So I know I've never had a freak injury, fortunately, and these concussion is not really a freak injury. It's one of those, like, si- one of those things you sort of expect to have. It's like one of those, like, side things in a rugby game that it's always in the range of possibilities. Well, w- would you consider, like,
1: like, like I, I kind of think my concussion was a bit of a freak. No, yours was. I had a massive hematoma on my head. So.
0: <laughs> um, which I was on the sideline for. But it was, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, my. So, yeah, that that one's a freak injury. Mine, I, I didn't I, look normal until I got home. And then I had mean, to go to the hospital. But, well, so
1: yeah, I mean, they they took me to hospital immediately. So yeah. <laughs> I would probably put mine in that category of a
0: bit of a freak injury. So I see, like, okay, so Peter Steph Dutoy, one of our the world player of the year, and one of the best uh, positional changes I've ever seen in in rugby. Decided to well didn't decide he was being tackled and he did not decide. Yeah, he was tackled <laughs> on a field and then. You're gonna have to pronounce this big word. He I think it was it's not a blood clot, it's bigger than a blood clot. He had a hematoma that developed into acute compartment syndrome.
1: Yeah, so yeah, it's 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 not a blood clot. So so hematoma is basically just like severe swelling that takes place and and basically all swelling is just due to like fluids accumulating in a position or in one spot, whether that be blood or like what, mainly blood, you know. Yeah. Um, but in but in his case, um, so they say, yeah, it then developed into acute compartment syndrome. So I just had a little bit of a quick look through into what that is, and basically it's just a painful condition that occurs when pressure within the muscles builds to dangerous levels. Obviously, that being caused by the fluid that is accumulating in one one spot. Um, so it is a medical emergency, and it turns mm-hmm. out that that Peter Steph could have, like, essentially, it could have been a career-ending injury. He There was a chance that he could have lost a leg yeah. um, from this. Um, it's pretty hectic as well, where they say that, like, they, they operated and, you know, like, they could only close his leg 10 days later, you know, trying to release the pressure and all that stuff. Like, this was hectic. We didn't know anything yes. about this. We just thought, okay, like, Peter Steff... Who he's, he's got an injury, and only he, he, you know after all this happened, they reported basically being like, "Yeah, okay, guys, so yeah, Peter Steff almost had a career-ending in, injury, almost lost a leg." So it was a bit of a shock, like, "Yeah,
0: wow, this this is hectic stuff." Okay, and no, I think that's definitely you know, something that we need to be aware of. But like, fortunately for him in this case, his doctor was able to pick it up quickly at what it was because. I think that's the scary thing because if so, this again, a lot of sports doctors have to can be the key to long term injuries if they know or don't know what's going on.
1: Yeah, well, it, it big big credit must go to 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 the team doctor because um, they they say that there's only been 43 reported cases worldwide so far, so it's not something that you would necessarily be aware of as much you know and they picked it up in time so like they did a fantastic job to identify this save his leg save his career you know um but yeah this was this was a shock to me when i read it and i was like wow like this you just really don't hear about this sort of stuff or a lot of times when a freak accident does happen boom that's it end of a career so we're hopeful that um peter stef can can recover from this um oh. and actually you know still maintain good function in, in, in his leg to the level where he can you know continue to play top level rugby yeah they said two
0: to three months so that's not too bad which is um in terms of the recovery for something this big so by the end of the year if we have rugby again he should be playing a what rugby championship if that happens
1: yeah i, I wouldn't be hopeful on rugby championship but eh? um we probably'll probably only look at like end of your season or something. I don't know. So that even. I
0: really don't know. But I speak about that, uh, firstly I guess to stick to rugby, which I have we had a good article which we read and we saw earlier this week about some freak injuries that have happened in rugby. And uh one which was pretty well known because it was a from an Australian player, Rob Horn, who when he was tackling a player suddenly he experienced four paralysis of that arm. I don't know, do you remember that injury?
1: I must say, like, I don't remember it, like, that vividly, but I remember that it had happened and, jeez, like, that's hectic. Can you imagine, like, just you, you go and tackle someone and, bam, like, there goes your nerves, basically, and you just lose, you know, all sensation in yeah. your arm. Like, he's, his arm is basically
0: paralyzed, essentially. It's crazy to think yeah, and, like, again, that's immediate income loss for his side, but also, like, it's has gotta be a scary thing to happen as it's happening, because he had no feeling he was and he was like 28 years old when it happened yeah 28 yeah. yeah um and that's scary to think about and that continuously, like what could happen overboard and then there's another freak injury which happened to sam jones who was promising uh england flanker and in a judo session that they was having with uh itoje
1: you, yeah. You yeah. Let's let's mention it that. Eh? Yeah, it It flipped him,
0: mm-hmm. and the next thing, that was it. That was the last time he played a professional sport.
1: Yeah, and I mean, he was just about to go make his debut for yeah. for England, you know. So he he was he was basically
0: ready to take the next step, and there you go, dreams yeah. down the drain. Um, another random freak injury. I don't know if you remember this one very well. When Peter Stephutory, sorry, not Peter toy Andre Pollard was. Before practice, arrived there to kick for poles, and ended up pulling. I think he, injuring his knee, and he was after for the season.
1: I do remember that. Um, uh, yeah, it just shows you how easily something can happen, and it's it's a bit of like like the way I'm looking at this Peter Steph Detroit injury is like I mean for all professional sports people out there is like like. You do take risk, especially when you compete yeah. in contact sport. Um, like, for one, appreciate the situation in that you can do yeah. what you do. And and um, secondly, as well, as like with these things happen, like like make sure you take the necessary steps that you are covered in the case that, that yeah. stuff like this happens. So fortunately, like these days now, there's a lot better player representation and um, you know, like player bodies and so forth that do advocate for the players' and make sure that these things are mine. Because essentially all a rugby player wants to do is you want to focus on playing rugby. Um, you don't necessarily want to think too long-term, what if I get injured or something like that. And that is where the representation comes in to make sure that those needs, should they come about, are covered. And I
0: think that's the vital thing. You need to have all your health insurance up to date. And I think even at schoolboy level, there needs to be... I don't know if schools can pay for cover. They can help a lot of students because I remember, and I think you remember this one. There was a border. Uh, what was his name? Uh, Nick, Nicholas Lutz. That was the most tragic I've ever he, seen. He,
1: in the boarding house, yeah, in in the boarding house, um the way the system worked there at dinner time or at any 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 time you go eat, um, you you have your table you yeah. sit at, and they'd get a fifth format to basically run the table. So at that time. I was in fifth form, and grade eleven. For I was at home. I was running great eleven doing it. So he was at my table. Um, so I mean, like throughout that year, I really got to know him very well. And then we toured up to to Afi's in Pretoria, and he had a freak accident with a scrum that collapsed, broke his neck, and he basically he did fantastic to recover. Like his recovery is amazing yeah. in itself. And then he came back, but he basically had like no sensation, like he couldn't feel anything from his lower body down, for example. And he basically showed me, like, he demonstrated that he doesn't feel anything yeah. in his legs, like. And that's what he has to live with going forward. Yeah, which is a nightmare in terms,
0: of, like, you do activity because your your brain doesn't know what's going on.
1: Can can you imagine, like like he gets cut on his leg, like he wouldn't know that he's been cut and potentially like like yeah. losing blood, you know, like I'm up until he maybe looks down, you know. So so there's huge risks associated with this going forward in his life. Yeah, you know?
0: and so looking at that as well, um, World Rugby has put in a lot of precautions for injuries. Do you feel they they they're adequate at the moment? Um, To be honest,
1: I think, yes, Um, they have been putting a lot of effort into reducing injuries that happen at all levels of sports. And we've quite frequently seen them implementing law changes, doing trials at different age levels to test um, these changes that they want to bring in. And it has been quite effective, Um, you know, so... Concussion rates at elite competitions has been reduced by almost twenty yeah. percent. Um, tackling injuries have 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 gone down, um, even though I mean, tackling related injuries have stayed constant, even though the amount of play playing minutes has yeah. increased. You know, um, at, at the World Cup, they um, the injury rate has gone down from ninety injuries per one thousand player hours to eighty three injuries per one thousand player hours. Um, And also like the good thing that that has had on the rugby game is the public perception. So people now feel that the sport is safer than it was um, five years ago, which is fantastic um, to try and bring players in, young players. It's good for parents to feel that, okay, there is a lot of effort being put into the sport to make sure that it is safe enough for young kids and all age groups um, and all levels to play this. So where parents can feel comfortable to let their child go and play rugby, and that is what we really need. We need young numbers to keep
0: coming through the system to grow the yeah. sport. I mean rugby has been struggling in terms of growth, and it needs to find a way to to deal with with well it, to open up.
1: The... In in all fairness, yeah. um, worldwide the sport has been growing, but in certain countries it's been in decline. Australia being a prime example of this. Um, But I don't necessarily think that is related to injury as much as it is in Australia with other big sports competing.
0: I think the money, the income levels of rugby is just not adequate for sport. Like this week, your career could end in a moment. And people aren't willing to pay that risk when you can play soccer and earn 10 times that thing on the bench.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'll be honest, um, I would I would go sit on the bench and yeah. ten times more. Be a
0: goalkeeper at like a random club and you just be done. Yeah, I wouldn't mind being a bench warmer. It's fine. i uh, I'll I would do it. It's the greatest scam of all time. <laughs> but moving on a little bit to a little bit of a lighter side in terms of freak injuries. So we were, as we are doing this research this week, we found some of the most it's funny in the world or interesting ways of people getting injured. Uh, that it, that pretty much ended seasons. So, one that I found very interesting was Sean Payton, who's the coach of the New York Saint, uh, not New York, New Orleans Saints in NFL, got injured on the sidelines, standing and tore his MCL. Can you imagine? Like you, you every week you play, you got these big players running on the field, getting tackled, everything. And he, he was funny. He was a professional player, never got injured in his professional career like that. And then coaching is where he got injured.
1: Man. (laughs) Imagine him, like like how are you gonna take a coach seriously after that?
0: (laughs) Like like how like imagine like your coach is like he suddenly looks at the sidelines like hey coach, what's our next play? Man's on the floor holding his knee.
1: Oh my word! I would say um, I also also saw a little funny one here. So um, here's one: John Schmaltz irons himself, uh, which, which <laughs> I think is pretty funny. So um, it says here: um, um, All right, so in 1990, he allegedly ironed a shirt that he was still wearing,
0: burning himself in the process.
1: So he claims this never took place. Um, yeah. Though the entire sports and entertainment uh, world ran with this story, eventually he stopped fighting it. So we don't know if it's true or not, but
0: yeah. he it doesn't comment
1: on it anymore.
0: Oh my goodness. That's going to be the worst. Uh, my f- my favorite one has got a, another good one was, so Joel Zemeier was playing Guitar Hero and ended up injuring his wrist while playing alongside him know, you know, I, I, I can see that happening right? <laughs> <laughs> and then in, in the worst part is I think this was the world just before the world series so can you imagine you work your whole life for this moment and because you're jamming at <laughs> home <laughs> that so that is going to be one of the worst ones uh, there's another one where a guy got injured on riding a golf cart Okay, but that can happen. Like, You're trying like to press accelerator or what? No, he was going to accelerate, and then as he put, the, as he switched his foot to the brake, I think he, he probably moved his foot too quickly, and then boom, ankle gone.
1: No man, <laughs> no. <laughs> you can't be serious.
0: <laughs> but there was another one that I remember. Like I remember this one specifically because it was like 2002 World Cup. Spain was all excited for doing well. Their main goalkeeper missed the World Cup because he was, I think, grabbing a jar of pickles, and sl- and as he was turning around, it, sl- it slipped out of his hands and fell on his foot. And that was, the- he didn't play that in the World Cup.
1: It's a jar of pickles, so put yeah. him out of the World Cup.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but okay, our final one because this I have, is such I have a one. Yeah, okay, I have one. Give me your one. This,
1: this is this is the first one that really sprang to me. I was like, "Oh my word, you can't be serious." So Tom Levine broke his rib while throwing up.
0: (laughs) Bro, what did the man eat? (laughs) So, this man was on an
1: airplane, he ate an in-flight meal, and he proceeded to throw it up. Somehow, in that process, he allegedly broke his rib.
0: (laughs) Bro, that's your teammate, how are you going to take a man seriously after that?
1: Dude, I don't think you can take him seriously in anything. Like, like, would you ever invite him over for dinner? Like, bro, listen, you know, I would invite you, but I don't want you to get injured again.
0: (laughs) Man coughs, everyone gets scared.
1: Oh, jeez.
0: But, I mean, I
1: I, I can at at least understand the airplane food thing could potentially make people throw up.
0: But how do you throw up and you break a rib? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Like A classic one here, which is like such a guy injury. Is so, and it seems like it's goalkeepers when it comes to football. So David Seaman was sitting on his couch, and he broke, he broke his hand reaching for the guy. like. Can you imagine <laughs> explaining that to someone? Like you have to keep a straight face and say, "Yes, this is what happened." Oh jeez. there's also there's
1: also a guy here. Um, Alex Stepney breaks his jaw while yelling.
0: <laughs> it's a goalkeeper again.
1: <laughs> it's a goalkeeper. He <laughs> yelled so loud and intensely that he broke his jaw. Ow! <laughs> I feel like me and you could do that though. <laughs> you know, I've I've had locked jaw a few times. Um, you know, when you, when you open your mouth really wide, but and it's oh, it's so painful when you get locked jaw. But
0: oh my, how do you break your jaw? Oh, my. That would be such a terrible way to, like, explain the injury. But, all right. Let's get to the last little section because before we start getting out of hand. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Let's close that tab. <laughs> we're getting far too happy about that. But <laughs> let's go into Quick Tap. So, we thought this would be a good time for, you know, first to give a little bit more background information on what uh, our history with rugby. So... I'll start and then we'll keep switching between Dip and I asking the question. So when did you start playing rugby?
1: My man, um I started playing rugby at under nine. I didn't you know. play um so here yeah, in South Africa we did something that they called Ramiki Rugby, which you know. is for age groups um six to eight, I think it is. So, um I don't know what the English English for that is. Um but basically do it's I like have. um and, and to be honest, like, I don't really even know what the rules are with that because I never played it. So I just got in with under nine um, at school. Unfortunately, um, yeah. I do have two older brothers um, that are quite older than me. And they basically just taught me basics at home. And then I started playing under nine. Um, yeah.
0: Manziel's hurting people
1: yeah I was already fairly big that time as well i w- I was really big for my age at primary school so <laughs> they loved having me to come play rugby but tap and tap and go every time eh oh, man, there's pictures of me carrying people eh oh you wow
0: know <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I started when I under fourteen yeah so that was grade great what really yeah. you only started pro- in the high school yeah before that I, we my primary school didn't have it. They were about introduced and decide not to. And then grade 8, I just didn't get a chance to play because I was, I was like 13. And I was like, no, nah, I could see my size was going to be a bad thing. And then waited for my year to come up. Okay. <laughs> I, was, I wasn't I about to get brutalized on the field.
1: Hey, I mean, when you're a youngster, that is a smart choice to make, eh?
0: Yeah. I thought that again a trick when I was suddenly a year younger than almost everyone else on the field. I felt like a little yeah, kid. Yeah, it makes
1: a difference that makes a huge difference um, so you, you've you actually played quite a few
0: positions, um, what is your favourite position to play? Um, this is like a tie between two positions, fair enough um, which, and this may be unbelievable for those of you who have met me in my current size uh, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> <laughs> this was 8th man because as I mentioned in my podcast earlier this week I was renowned for not tackling so 8th man got me around having to tackle because I could normally park off at outside centre or just near the wing and then come near for rucks. And I I was doing a lot of... And I love running. So obviously lots of running and doing those little small passes. And then inside centre, which is, I know, unbelievable, but I did play inside centre for a bit. I I don't believe you. They they tried me at outside centre. That was terrible. But inside centre was... Because I was like the pace difference came in. And <laughs> I was getting burnt. Guys didn't even step in. They were just running. They wouldn't even have to like swerve. They just knew they could get me on the so outside.
1: What was it, um, in 13, eh?
0: Yeah. But when I was at the 12, <laughs> I was breaking. And that was the weird thing. When I played 12, I didn't mind tackling. As soon as they moved me to 8th man, or flank, I suddenly didn't want to tackle anymore. But I, weirdly enough, I would have the highest steals in the game every time so it was just like I was like the weirdest combination player ever
1: oh you gotta do something on the field there
0: eh? can't let the coach be like hey get him off he's just coasting on there and you so for
1: me I have only played two positions in my life Um yeah. I have played lock and I have played tight prop on rare occasions um, <laughs> I want video of that because that's that'd be fun um, I have a funny story about prop, but I'm not going to say it <laughs> yet. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yes, <laughs> <laughs> um, so the only time I've had to play prop was basically like we just had shortages in the team. Um, and like since I am a big guy, like, like I'm tall, but I'm also like big bolt. Yeah. And I was like, all right, fine. Like I'll just go step in there. Can't be too hectic. Um, I'll just do what I need to do. Um, because we had a lot of good Lucy's in the system. Um, so it was, I was like, cool. Like, it makes a lot of sense for me to just shift there. Um, needless to say, I did get broken in the scrum.
0: Um, <laughs> Man's got touched.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure I nearly, like, I was close to breaking a rib one day because um, <laughs> I got bent. Oh, my word. <laughs> so I will definitely say playing prop was my least favorite position. <laughs> And my most favorite position was my actual position of playing tight-head lock. Uh, yeah. absolutely love it. I mean, it's a bit of a dark art as well. Um, you, you do donkey work, um, but I love playing lock. Like playing the physical game is yeah. what I love to do. So uh, I love playing lock.
0: Okay. So what did you actually enjoy doing the most on the field?
1: Oh, the number one thing I enjoyed doing on the field is tackling people. This is the irony here. <laughs> I absolutely love smashing oaks on the field. Like, number one, tackling an oak. Man, if I can hit you hard, I'm going to try. hit. You. Like, every time I try to tackle you, I'm going to try to smash you backwards yeah. as hard as I can. The second favorite thing I like doing is smashing the rack because I, I kind of modeled my game after Bucky's Boeta. Yeah. And hard man. Those were the two things he did. Like, hard man. Like, if he tackles someone, he's going to try break you. If he hits you in the rack, he's going to try break you. Yeah. um and I, and I honestly I didn't mind if those were the only two things I did on the field I didn't mind because I know like I can do these two things really really well uh, so that's what I love to
0: do me I was all up in the rugs man. Really. that was my thing. just trying to steal the ball um I had teammates that would hit the ball and Next thing the balls in my hands so like how I just I had a sense like I had a good sense of it so that would help me but then number two it was obviously catching getting, It's like getting the ball off the fly-off, where he pops it up to you. Because that normally meant you had a small inside center, or you had you were taking So it was always one-on-one. I was going to beat the first player and, and get the ball out. But or literally, that's the run I liked. Like, it had to be off the fly-off. Off the nine, I was not about that life.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I also did a mountain trouble, but I am much rather... I don't know, like like I just enjoyed playing defense. I, I don't yeah. know, there's just something about like reading the game, anticipating what's going to happen. I don't know, like I, I found it quite fun. Um, so, when did you stop playing rugby? Twenty
0: thirteen, I think 20, no, 2012. Um, I, I had my own freak injury, like I had two major concussions, and then I just realized, okay, this is not. I can't come back after speaking to the medical professionals. So, it was Courtes kick Kickoff. I caught the ball. I don't remember anything after that.
1: Yo, <laughs> I, can, I can, I can, I can relate to sustaining an injury just after kickoff as well. That's also right. how my concussion happened, <laughs> but not in exactly the same way.
0: But this was before concussion protocol, so apparently I played the rest of the game. Had a blinder. And I was like, "What?" I'm like, "How did I play
1: without knowing where I was?" I've I have seen that happen firsthand as well. I was I was playing um, we playing up there at Michael House uh, when we we tricked 8 yeah. And, um, <laughs> reveal <coincidentally H>. also, <laughs> also Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, also, coincidentally, when we played against uh, well, first team played against Pat Laming in Um So I was playing seconds. Yeah. And my prop generate. Man was running, like literally he got over the try line, just about to go score the try, and this dude just smashes him. Like he got smashed backwards past me. I was running that support line. yeah, And immediately I was like, oh, my word, like this is a huge hit. Turns out later, after the game, we're on the buses, going to go back to Durban, and and he keeps asking me about the game. And <laughs> I realized, because I was training first aid, and then I realized like... This dude's got concussion. Like, (laughs) he didn't remember anything of the game. Played the whole game. Done. Didn't know anything. We didn't know because he immediately got up. Like, he just played, but we didn't know that he had sustained a concussion at that time. Oh, my goodness. That's crazy. Yeah. So, I I stopped playing a couple of years back. uh, I think 2015 was my last year I played. Um, um
0: I was forced to retire Corsair's right because apparently I was too old. <laughs> Veteran, bruh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't just that, it was also because they couldn't recognize your credits as a doctor doing doctorate.
1: No, that we actually sorted out uh with within the varsity cup system. Yeah. Uh, so, so I wasn't able to play the opening match of the season because they were like, hey, listen, you don't you don't have the necessary credit requirement to be eligible to play. And then I had to literally get the vice chancellor of the university to write varsity cup, to be like, listen, uh, this person's doing a PhD. He does meet all the academic requirements, yeah. <laughs> um, before the play, but, but varsity cup also has an age limit. Um, if you're over 25, they don't allow you to play. So I was like, like, this is a bit of a waste. Um, so then I just decided, all right, fine. Uh, let me just move on, you know? I wasn't really keen to play club rugby that time. I was like, I don't want to play matches on Saturdays. I had other stuff I want to do over the weekend. So I just moved on.
0: Oh, you officially retired though? Kind
1: of, but I am thinking of making a comeback mainly because um, now that I do have some more time on my hands and um, I would like something where I can, you know, like let loose a bit, um, get that release. Um, so I'm I'm thinking of coming back into rugby. Okay. So what injuries have you sustained before though playing? Um my only only rugby injuries I've had was um concussion and a hematoma on my head. Yeah. Um I have had a I pick up I picked up a roasty when we played at DHS um the one year was like early in the season. So I picked up this roasty, right, which then got affected and I had a bit of blood poisoning. Which oh, my was goodness. Um, like, I have a scar from a roasty, Like, because that thing just, the whole season, it was an issue. Like, it didn't want to heal up. Yeah. And I had I played this whole, every freaking training session, this thing would just open up and it was, ugh, it was just nasty. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then I've had like, yeah, um, I've 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 always kind of struggled with like ankle niggles. So yeah. I've picked up a couple of ankle injuries. Um and you've also seen me injured right. my wrist at a game as well.
0: <laughs> which I was there for, which which continues. Yeah. I must say, like, outside of like the second team year, every other time I've watched you play a game you've gotten injured.
1: Yeah, I mean you watched me get a Toba. I mean yeah. come on. So like
0: <laughs> like the but the wrist one was even weirder because we came out on a Friday night and next thing, Mance has gone off the field after three minutes. We're like... I was,
1: I was so close to breaking that wrist. Jeez, like, I smashed someone in the rug and then I just landed badly on the other side. Like, wrist was in the wrong position
0: and it bent backwards. Yo, I was close to breaking it. Yeah. For me, it's been basically just the concussions. And then, and what goes down is the greatest irony. Um, me putting a calf muscle during a touch-rappy game. And that was <laughs> which you experienced. <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> My biggest physical injury in, in rugby was in a touch rugby game when there was no one around me. I caught the ball out wide and then just collapsed. <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> I remember like,
1: immediately when it happened, I just broke down laughing. I didn't realize at the time that you picked up something serious. <laughs> uh,
0: everyone, like, including myself, I just thought, oh, maybe I misstepped. And then i like, because you have to think about, like, the cough thing. You you hear this, like, tearing sound, and you feel something sort of torn initially as it happens. But your mind doesn't think it's, like, in my body. And so, like, I to just get up immediately, and I was, like, on the floor again. I was like, oh, that's it. Adrenaline is an amazing thing. So, you know, I had to limp home and spent like, six weeks in recovery.
1: No, 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 no. Don't, please don't lie to the people. You're still recovering from it.
0: Ah, yes, I have not returned to the touch rugby field yet. We haven't seen you do anything physical after that. I do walks on the beach, which are currently banned.
1: No one sees you walking, so it doesn't count. My
0: housemate has, and that counts. <laughs> outside, of, outside of like uh, playing, what other involvement have you had in rugby? Um, so, yeah, when when I stopped playing,
1: I then immediately moved into managing and coaching the, the Corsairs rugby team. Yeah. Uh, you, you also did that with me. Um, Alongside. And Time.
0: <laughs> we still <saw you> so <sighs> well. And then, shout out to Jason Gilby for ending our dream.
1: Yeah. I'm still mad about it. I'm never going to let it go.
0: Yes, Jason. I hope you listen to this, Jason. One yellow card. Let's not get into that. Jeez, actually, it, it, it hurts, man. To be honest, it actually wasn't Jason's fault. It was actually how the rules were set up because the team before us got a bye. They shouldn't have gotten, but we know.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm just putting that that in the back of my mind. So yeah, I've done. I've done. Um, yeah. So I, I managed, um, and then I also coached. I then stopped that because um, my my supervisor. During my my PhD was like, yo, dude, um, listen, you know, why are you spending so much time not doing science? <laughs> You're like, uh... <laughs> yeah, and 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 in all fairness, like, I mean, it was something really important to me. That was uh, it was a really good way for me to switch off from like work and you know, let loose a bit, do something I really love, interact and so forth. But but then we were in a position where like we didn't have that much to show for it because. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's not like I was really good at it or understand it, all that stuff so well. Um, I think if I go back to it now, I'll be much better at it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I left it for a while. Um, and then I basically just became 100% just a rugby fan, watch my rugby, go to matches, stuff like that. Um, and only now when we started up this channel and so forth, now it's like, all right, a different, different side of it, being involved in sort of the... The media side of rugby, trying to help, like spread the word. Um, you know, looking at ways to be involved. Yeah. In other methods, like other areas, basically.
0: Yeah. So no, definitely. And I've, I mean, pretty much coaching, and I've done some, you know, one-on-one stuff with some guys, but mainly stuck to coaching. I'd love, like, the thing which I'd love to do in the future. I must say. Um. Oh yeah, this is like our final question. How do you see yourself staying involved now and staying moving forward? Is that it's I'd love to see growing the media side. But also doing technical coaching. That's always been more my one on one helping a player to improve his skill because the biggest need in South Africa for me is a lot of players leave matric or and then even under nineteen and twenty one level unpolished. And I think helping players to put on the finishing touches is one of the things which I enjoy doing
1: yeah i also personally love the technical stuff like i I particularly like um the technical aspects of scrumming and racking um those sort of things because it all comes down to like basic physics so there's a lot of science there that i found fascinating um i would i would i would really love to to actually get back into some coaching um what whatever level i actually think Um, I would really like to go and work with, um, like grassroots levels and try help the young kids from a young age Mm -hmm. instill like good, good technique. Um, cause good technique also means you are more likely going to be safe and you're going to avoid injuries, um, you know, and then prepare them for, and, and sort of take them through, through the age groups. Um, I would also like to be involved at, at like, um, you know, like adult level, um, because you can get a bit more technical with, like, fellow adults who understand the game at a certain level. Um, I would, like, I'm totally, like, even just managing a team, if, if I'm not even coaching, I think, like, managing a team would also be a lot of fun. Um, getting a bit involved in, like, coaching coaching stuff um, in the communities and so forth, I think is a lot, would be a lot of fun. And then obviously now, cool, we, we, we want to do the media side of it as, as well. Um, kind of plug in all these things and, and try to help grow the game in a good way, you know?
0: Yeah, create a, a game to be more accessible for the average man on the street. 100%. That is the goal. But sure. So that's a wrap from us here at Bombless Ruppy Thank you for joining us at the main event here on the Bombless Ruby Podcast Network. You can find all our podcasts previously on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, others. You look, you search, we're there. Go out and check out our Instagram and Facebook pages at Ruppy on Facebook and Ruppy on Instagram and Twitter. Please make use of our hashtag, you know, hashtag Ruppy, whenever you're talking about us or what stuff we've spoken about. Uh, shout out to my boy, Adam Thompson. We ain't homies yet, but we're going to be homies. Oh,
1: yes, it's going to happen. Yeah, so until next week, guys, stay away from your boys. <laughs> Wash your hands often. Drink lots of water and stay safe.
0: Stay far away from your homies. Peace out, guys. Enjoy your week.